go. You feel good? My gosh. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. If this is your first time, buckle up, because we're not playing around today. I can tell already. It's going to be a good day of church. If you're visiting, we're glad you're with us. If you're family, we're glad you're with us. Hey, can you help me and say thank you to the band? They're so good. They're so talented. Church, speaking, speaking of our unbelievable band, um, I just got, in case you don't know, our very own Corey Miller just dropped a single this week called Let Go. If you haven't gotten it, you need to go get it. It is absolute fire. You're going to love it. Can you help me? And I, I want to welcome, I want to welcome all of our campuses around Denver, Brussels, Austin, Texas. We love you all. But, but there's three that are, that are just so near and dear to my heart. And I just got to say to our three God Behind Bars campuses, men and women, we love you so much. You're every bit as much a part of this family as the people in this room right now. We love you. We believe in you. God, it's an absolute honor and privilege to be able to get together as a family. Some of us in buildings, a lot of us through technology. God, as we're in offices and cars and on hikes and mountains and bikes and treadmills and everywhere else, I pray that you would remind us that it is not the presence of a building that changes our lives. It is the presence of our God that changes our life. And you are with us right here, right now, ready to speak. And we just open up our, our ears. We open up our hearts to what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. If you have a Bible, flip open to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read a verse somewhere else first. If you've got a phone, that's no problem. But if you've got a paper Bible, it's going to take like six minutes to find 1 Samuel. So I want to give you a little bit of leeway. And um, I just want to welcome you to Red Rocks Church. If, if you're just joining us for the first time, we like to say this all the time, but I want to make sure you know it. We're a bunch of imperfect, messed up, broken people, but we love to get together and pursue a perfect God. And so no matter what's going on in your life, we're so glad you're here and uh, you're not crashing someone else's party. You're the guest of honor at this party. So welcome. Welcome to church. So I want to I have about three jokes uh, to make fun of Ronnie and Doug uh, to start the message. But I just don't have time today because I got so much I want to say and and. God knows they deserve it, but I don't have time. And so just pretend that happened and mock them a little bit in your spirit. Hebrews 12, 1. And then we're going to go over to 1 Samuel. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I want to stop right there um, because too many times in church we read verses and we go, oh, yeah, and then we don't have a clue what that means and we just keep going. And I want to make sure you know what that means real quick because if you don't, it kind of takes away from what's being said. When he's talking about great cloud of witnesses right there, you won't know what he's talking about unless you've read the chapter before. Hebrews 11, the, the, the author spends a good amount of time talking about a bunch of men and women that, truth be told, are just like us. They, they didn't know what was going to happen next in life. They found themselves living in times that felt real confusing, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions around their calling, a lot of questions around, is God paying attention? What is God going to do in my life? Is he even got plans for me? Because look at me and I'm kind of a mess and, and I don't really have what I thought I'd have at this point in life. I'm not really at where I thought I'd be at in this point in life. Like 
That's the kind of people that he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 11. But they started to, every one of them, they started to embrace who they were, how they were created, where God had them. And then they just started to take little small steps of faith going, if this is where you got me and this is what you're asking me to do, then okay, God, today I'll say yes. And then, and, and, and then all of a sudden they blink and they turn around and God's used them to do incredible things, to change their lives, their families' lives, and, and eventually all of us. Um, we are changed. We are different. We are gathered today as a church because of what the people in Hebrews chapter 11 did. And he, he starts talking about him. He names a bunch of them, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and, and Rahab and Sarah. And they're people like us that decided I'll embrace who I am and where I am and just try to trust God. And God did some great things. And, and that's what we're talking about today. Uh, a while back, Ronnie sent out a questionnaire, a questionnaire on social media, and he was like, hey, church family, what, what are you struggling with these days? What's happening these days? What, what could we as a church speak about to, to serve you better? And, and one of the top things that you guys said you were struggling with right now is understanding your calling, which is church lingo for like, what's God got for me? And 2020's caused us to question everything, hadn't it? But it's definitely got us to start questioning our calling. And so I wanna talk to you. In fact, when you're, when you're looking back for this message, the title is, when my calling gets confusing, when my calling gets confusing. So, so therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he said everybody in chapter 11, they did some great things because they took small steps of faith, but they're now dead. They're watching from heaven. They're peering over at us out of the grandstands of heaven. That's the great cloud of witnesses. They now are watching us. And the next two words just got me this week, got me all fired up. The next two words are let us. He says, look, they did a bunch of great things. God did a bunch of great things through them. But now let's talk about us. It's our time. It's your time. It's your time to figure out what God has in store for you. It's your time to start walking in that confidently. It's our time. He says, now let us, let us start to understand what God has in store for us. He says, for that to happen, he says this, we're going to have to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And he says, again, let us, it's our time. It's about you and me now. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And four things sort of begin to jump off the page to me as I read this verse. And we're going to stop there. Excuse me. The first one is, and go ahead and put that up. Here's my cliff notes for that verse. Number one, God has a plan for you. In that verse, he calls it a race, a race marked out for you. Sometimes we call it our calling. Sometimes we say, I just want to know God's will. We're all referring to the same thing. God has a plan for you. You're going to have to persevere through some stuff to get there. You're going to have to throw off some stuff to get there. And at some point, you're going to have to decide, I'm going to be me and run my race. Amen. Amen? I don't know if you know this, but God has a plan for you. Yeah. And some of you, I know 2020 has rocked all of our worlds, right? But some of you, you, you're tuned into this. And the truth is, if someone put you on a polygraph test right now, you'd go, I don't think that's true. You've begun to disqualify yourself in your own mind because you look at your own gifts and your own talents. And you go, I'm just not enough. Or you look at your own mistakes. Can we be honest today? I look at my own mistakes, my own sins, my own habits. And I just kind of figure God's probably done with me. And if he, he might've used to had a plan for me, but probably not anymore. And 2020, man, that's wrecked all the plans. I thought I understood the plans he had for me, and now I have no question. Now everything's in question, right? It's, it's just confusing. 
And I want you to know that God has a calling on your life. And that's not just fancy church talk. That's not me having good intentions for all of us. This is the creator of the universe. Go ahead and put this up. Speaking to us about our lives today. Go ahead and put that verse up. This is what God says to you. Would you just let God speak to you? Forget that you're listening to a podcast or sitting in a church building or wherever you're at. Just let God speak to you for a second. He says this. I know the plans I have for you. God knows everything. He knows what you've been through. He knows knows what you're going through. He knows how confusing life is. He knows the things you're struggling with. And he says, I still, even though I know everything, I still know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I, I want every single one of us to be operating off of the same foundation as we get into How to see him happen is God has a plan for your life. No matter what's happened to you, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're struggling with today, no matter what you may think about yourself, your God loves you, values you, accepts you, wants to redeem you, restore you, and he has a plan for your life today. I want you to know that. Now we're going to pop over to 1 Samuel 17 because we're going to read a story that really illustrates how we start to experience what God has in store for us. We're going to see the persevering through some stuff. We're going to see the throwing off of some stuff. We're going to see the I got to choose to be me and run my race stuff. And we're going to see it in what is honestly the most famous fight, mano a mano, in the history of fights. This fight is, is, is more famous than, than Connor and Khabib, Ronnie. This fight's more famous than Connor and Diaz three if it happens. It's more famous than the rumble in the jungle. It's more famous than Tyson when he bit Evander Holyfield's ear off. Like, it's more famous than all of them. It's a fight between a shepherd boy that nobody had any faith in, that nobody believed in, nobody thought he had a future, and a soldier that stands almost 10 feet tall with the most amazing armor known to mankind the most powerful weapons known to mankind. And he's, he's, he's such a BA, best attitude, that he can step out into the middle of a battlefield and he looks at the entire nation of Israel and he says, we're the Philistines, you're the Israelites, we don't need to line up and battle anymore. I'll step out here in the middle, I'll fight anyone in your entire country. If you can kill me, we surrender. Like, you're the man when you can call people out like that. I, I don't even know what that's like. And, and so that's what's happening. And, and so almost on the daily, he'll come out in the middle of the battlefield and be like, who wants me? Pick anyone in your entire country. He kills me. Our whole country surrenders to you. Let's roll. And everyone in the nation of Israel's army goes, Mm-mm. I ain't messing with that dude. That's a big old boy right there. He's got a, got a crazy look in his eye. I don't trust that guy. You can't trust a guy that's got to look, look at his eyes. Mm-mm. I ain't fighting that dude. Nobody would fight him. And, and David is at home watching dad's sheep because they think he's too young and too weak and too unexperienced to even be a part of the battle. And so dad says, hey, I need you to run some food up to the battle lines. And a lot of you grew up hearing this story, so I'm going to give these quick cliff notes quickly. Why don't you run up to the battle lines and get your, give your brother some food? So now David is driving Grubhub up to the battle lines 
and he gives his brothers some food and he hears all the commotion and he sees that there's this giant man with all this crazy armor on calling out the whole nation of Israel, mocking everybody, including his family, mocking his God. And David's like, bro, I'll get out of this car and fight this dude right now. Like he just starts going like, I'll fight him. And, and it's, everybody's like, what? Who are you? Where'd you come from? And all of a sudden, his oldest brother hears David asking questions about Goliath, talking about, I'll do something if nobody else will. And, and watch what his older brother says. When Eliab, A, you shouldn't be making fun of David because look at your name. <laughs> How are you going to name two of your kids? Like people name their kids like kind of similar, right? Like David, Mike. John Eliab. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. And he asked, why are you even here, bro? Like, what are you doing here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Come on, he's digging at his brother, isn't he? Who's watching? What do you got? Three? Who's watching those three sheep? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch a battle. He's already getting insulted and criticized by his brother. And and first he attacks his character, right? Like, I know your heart. I know your motives. You're not here because you care about this fight. You're not here because you care about our country. You're not here because you care about our family. You just want to watch. You just want some entertainment. I know your heart. I don't trust your motives. Come on. You know the deal. You can insult a lot of things about a person, but you start insulting our character, and that, that hurts, doesn't it? He's getting his character insulted. He's getting his potential insulted. You notice what his brother said. He didn't say, go home and watch all the sheep. He said, go home and watch the few. What do you got, like three? Nobody in this family even trusts you to watch a bunch of sheep. Like everybody knows being a shepherd sucks and that's all you get to do. And you're not even good at that. You don't even get to watch a bunch of sheep. You get to watch a couple because you can't handle much because you got no potential. Nobody trusts you with anything. Like, what are you even doing here? Nobody can insult you like your siblings. Is that true? Right? Because your siblings, they know, they know what you're afraid of. They know your insecurities. They know what you wish you were good at, but you're not. They know what hurts you the most. Like I have three boys. I watch this. They can insult each other at like an Olympic level. His brother's completely just tearing him down. And in front of people, insults his character, his potential, his integrity, his abilities, his future. Like, it's one of those you'll never amount to anything talks. Why don't you take your three sheep watching butt home and get out of our way? Because you don't have a future, brah. That's what he's saying. And then King Saul finds out. King Saul, the most powerful and important and followed man on all of Israel's Instagram accounts. He finds out that there's a little shepherd boy talking about fighting Goliath. And he's like, bring the kid over here. What's going on? David starts going, bro, sir. I didn't call him bro. Sir, king, lordship, whatever they called him, I'll fight him. Watch what Saul does. You can't, kid. 
You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. You're a kid. You're a boy. And he's been a warrior from his youth. I picture his brothers laughing because his brothers are already annoyed. Right? I picture some of the other soldiers like, what's your little brother? What's your mouthy little brother doing up here anyways? We're putting our lives on the line. This little mouthy punk's talking. And now King's put, it, put him in his place. And now they're laughing. You ever been publicly criticized? You ever been sitting in a, just a group of people and somebody insults you and it just, it hurts more, right? Because now it hurts and I'm embarrassed. For some of you that happened at school, on a team, at your office, in a small group, on social media. You ever been insulted on social media? You ever had somebody say or post or comment really mean, hurtful, insulting things and, and it's on social media. It's for the whole world to see and like it hurts at a different level. He's now being criticized and insulted publicly and it hurts at a different level. But watch his response. I love this. See, David's gonna have to persevere through some stuff if he wants to walk in the calling that God has for him. His calling may seem confusing. He might be watching dad's sheep and driving Grubhub today and nothing feels important, but he's gonna have to persevere through some stuff. See, too many times us Christians, we start to face some, some things that we're gonna have to persevere through and we start to make it spiritual and we walk away and use spiritual language like it must not be God's will because look how difficult it just got. We were never promised a calling from our creator without difficulties, church. So, so we get called, we get an idea, I think this is what God wants me to do, and all of a sudden it gets hard, all of a sudden it gets scary, all of a sudden 2020 happens, and we go, well, I guess it's not God's plans anymore, because look how difficult it is, and I just don't have the peace. Maybe you need to look for less peace right now, start grabbing onto some perseverance, and going, I'm supposed to go through some things if I'm going to chase down the calling. And the, the, more, the more your calling's gonna build God's kingdom, the more Satan's gonna fight against you. You're gonna become a marked man, a marked woman. You gotta get ready to persevere through some stuff. It's not supposed to come easy. We're in a fight. David said to Saul, with all due respect, sir, I know I'm just a servant and I know I'm just a shepherd. I've been keeping my father's sheep, but I'm gonna tell you straight up, I'm a good shepherd. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, you know, most shepherds let him go. Not me. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. That's right, me. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And the king doesn't know what to do with him. Picture him saying this in front of everybody. I go. I'll watch. God bless. That's what he says. You know what David did that day? He just felt like this is, this is where God, God's got me here for a reason, and I, and I can't figure it out, but I feel like he's calling me to get involved. And of course, it's scary. And I know you don't believe in me, and 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 King, you don't believe in me, but I just decided today that I won't be criticized out of my calling. Not today. You could criticize me all day long. You cannot criticize me out of my calling. I'm gonna persevere. David had to persevere through criticism. And I'm telling you, church, so will we. If we ever want to do something impactful for the kingdom of God, we will have to persevere through criticism. 
and the larger your influence gets, the more critics you will have. It just comes with the territory. I've just had to learn this the hard way. If your game can't handle some criticizing, your game won't go far. No matter what industry you work in, no matter what line of work you do, I'm talking about being a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, a plumber, a stay-at-home parent, whatever. Whatever you're called to do, if your game can't handle some criticism, your game won't go far. I've learned that the hard way. And the more, the more influence you start to get, the more the critics will come. It's just part of it. That's okay, because we can persevere through criticism. In a few months, January of 2021, I'll have been the senior pastor of this church for 16 years. Is that crazy? 16 years. I've said the words I quit like a thousand times. I've only meant it about five times. But in 16 years, there have been probably four or five times, uh, you could ask my wife, where I've come to her and said, I'm, I'm absolutely done. Usually tearfully, I'm absolutely done. And I started thinking about all those times this week. And almost every single time, what brought me to the point of wanting to walk away from my calling was somebody criticizing me. Couldn't hack it. And just hurt my feelings. And then I'm tired and I'm doing my best. And you know the deal. And I'm trying to be me and I'm trying to do what I'm called to do. And I'm not, I'm not like that person. And I'm not like that person. And I'm sorry, this isn't like your last church. And, and I know I'm, not, I'm different than that, that preacher. And I don't do things. And we don't. And I some, and just couldn't take it. And it just killed me. 14 years ago, we had what I thought was the beginning of revival in Denver. We had five hundred people come to our Easter service. I was like, I told my friend Chad, who helped us start the church, I said, Chad, it's going to work. God's going to, it's going to happen. This is going to be an actual church. Chad's like, can you start paying me? I'm like, no, not yet. But I'm telling you, it's going to happen. 500 people. I was the happiest pastor on the planet until I got home that night and read an email. And I got an email from someone that I don't even know. Because that's where a lot of our criticism comes from today, doesn't it? Invisible people that you don't even know with an opinion and a keyboard. And we give it way too much weight in our lives, I'm telling you right now. He broke down my message point by point. This is what you said during your first point, and this is why it wasn't really, you didn't really communicate what the Bible's communicating, and I don't think anyone really got the spirit of that passage. And then he went on to the next point, and he said, that point, you, you were so emotional, but you had no content. And, and he, he literally broke down my message line by line by line by line. And, and in, the, in, in, four, in the last 14 years of this journey, thousands and thousands of people have gotten saved, gotten baptized, We've got countless testimonies of people going, this is how God changed my life. I can barely remember them. 14 years ago, I can almost quote this email to you. That's what criticism does to us if we hold on to it. And I'll never forget how he ended the email. He said, your lack of preaching ability will be the reason why this church will never be what it could be. He said, and this was the, la- this was the closing line, your lack of ability will be the ceiling for Red Rocks Church. You should resign. And it crushed me. And here's the truth. Satan has reminded me of that email probably a thousand times in the last 14 years. Because every time something doesn't go right, he gets in my ear and goes, maybe that dude was right. I mean, who knows? Look. 
You didn't do very good today, did you? Maybe he was right. Critics will cause you to walk away from your calling if you're not careful. And see, you do the same thing I do. Somebody from your past has said something to you and you've held on to it, some of you, for years. I don't think Satan like, can work people like a puppet and get someone to criticize you, but he'll darn sure remind you of it nonstop. He'll cause you to want to give it more weight than you ever should. And some of you, that's what's happened. Somebody from a school, somebody from your family, a friend, an enemy, someone you thought was a friend, said something to your face, behind your back, something about you, a post, and you're letting it have so much weight in your life that it makes you not even want to pursue the plans that God has for you. And I'm telling you, if you're going to walk in the plans God has for you, if you're going to do what the author of Hebrews says, run your race and experience that calling, we're going to have to persevere through some criticism. There has to be a day in every single one of our lives where we go, you know what? I'm just not going to be criticized out of my calling. I'm going to listen to what my creator says over what my critic says every time. Because what my creator says trumps what my critic says every day of the week. And when I say that I, I, I want to challenge you to begin to shut down and stomp out some critical voices in your life, for a whole bunch of you, one of the main voices you need to shut down and cover over with the word of God is your own. I know people who spend their entire life trying to make sure that nobody ever has anything to criticize them about. I just make everybody happy and I'll do right by everybody. And I, I can't stand if somebody's mad at me. I don't want anyone to ever be able to criticize me. And then they get alone with themselves and destroy themselves in their mind. I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you act. You're worthless. You're no good at this. You're no good at this. You're no good at this. God can't use you. You don't do anything important. You're not significant. We destroy. There's a critical voice in our head that oftentimes comes from our own soul and our own insecurities, and Satan will pour gasoline on it, and we got to start putting the word of God on top of every critical voice in our head, including our own. Go ahead and put that screen up with all those verses. You guys know I like to do this. Take a screenshot of that real quick because we're going to take it down. There's five verses I want you to start using to start diminishing the critical voices, whether they come from a person, come from the enemy, come from yourself, because we need to start listening to what our creator says about us, not our critics. And so I want this, let this help get you started. All right, you can take that down and put them up one at a time, please. For you were form, you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So many of us today have grown up with this idea that I was probably a mistake. Let me tell you something. You may have been a surprise to your parents. You were not a surprise to your God. He knit you together in your mother's womb on purpose, exactly the way you are. The way he created you was not accidental. He created you exactly the way you are for a reason. Put that next verse up, would you? For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. God says, no, no, no you're, you're, I didn't just create you and go, ah, eh, decent. No, you're a masterpiece. You're perfect. I created you like this for a very specific reason. And I've had plans for you for a long time. And I know some tragic things have happened. And I know some mistakes have happened. I know 2020 happened. That does not change the fact I created you the way you are on purpose. You're a masterpiece. And I got a plan for your life. Go ahead and put that next one up. Man, 
Let this one free you up. So many of us think I'm trying to work so hard. Maybe I wiggled my way into this calling and God doesn't really want me here. You can't wiggle your way into any place that God does not want you. Let me free you up. You know what? God, God goes, listen, I know how you feel. Listen, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Let that just free some of you up. You are where you are for a reason. You didn't choose God. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I created you perfectly. And then I chose you. And now I'm calling you and I'm going to equip you. And so, yes, you can. Now just push through some criticism and let's go change the world. (laughs) Put that next one up. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Yeah, but what he's asking me to do, I don't feel qualified for. And it's, I'm in way over my head. Yep, that's usually how it works. That's why you got to persevere through some stuff. But he says, don't worry. Everything that you can't lift, I'll lift for you. Everything that you can't carry, I'll carry for you. And every now and then I'll pick you up and carry you through. But I'll do it. I called you. I created you. I'll do it for you when necessary. And that last one is this. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. And some of you have been dealing with so much guilt and shame. Maybe it's been years. Maybe it's just been months. And we get this feeling every now and then, like because of what's happened, he probably, I think he did have a call for me. I think he did have a plan for me. But I bet he's done. Because look, look what I did. Look what I kept doing. Look what I didn't do. And I believe the, the creator of the universe wants to look at some of you today and go, no, 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 no. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I know everything about you. And I still have a calling on your life. And that calling is irrevocable. Let's start persevering through some stuff. And let's go change the world. We're going to have to persevere through some stuff. Okay. We're going to have to throw some stuff off, aren't we? We're just going to read and I'm going to talk for a sec. Let's get back in. Verse 38. David convinces Saul. Remember, he said, I'm I'm crazy enough to go fight him. And Saul's like, all right, whatever. God bless you. May the Lord be with you. Well, now he's getting ready to actually go do it. He's like, no, no, no. I'm not just talking about doing it. I'm going to do it. So Saul says, well, if you're going to fight, let me get you my armor. If you're going to fight this dude, you're going to have to fight him like I fight him. And Saul dressed David in his garments. He put a bronze helmet on his head and put a coat of male armor on him. And then David fastened the sword over his armor. Picture it and and tried to walk around, but he could not because he was not used to him. Picture little shepherd boy and he's got the king's armor on and he's trying to walk around and he's like, bro, I can't even bend my elbow. Like I'm a slingshot guy. Like I can't even like, what am I supposed to do with this? David said to Saul, I cannot go with these because I'm not used to them. And so here it is. David took them off. David threw off the king's armor. 99.9% of every soldier in that army, if you ask me, 10 out of 10 times, says the king's given me his armor? Absolutely, throw it on. Because if it's good enough for the king, it's good enough for me. It's the best armor we make. And if that's how the king goes into battle, that's how I go into battle. Let's go. And David had the courage to go, it just doesn't fit me. I just can't do it that way. That's not who I was created to be. Got to get it off me. He took his shepherd's staff in his hand. Picture the whole army watching this dude take the king's armor off. And he chose for himself five smooth stones out of a stream bed. 
Picture the whole army watching this. Like, what's this crazy kid doing? He just took off all the armor. Look who he's fighting. Is he grabbing rocks? He's going to throw rocks at him? He took his shepherd's staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones out of the stream bed and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, that is, in his shepherd's pouch. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Picture this story, you guys. Everybody thinks he's crazy because if the king fights that way, that's how you fight. And David has the courage and the understanding at a young age to throw off not just the king's armor, he's throwing off comparison. I wasn't created to fight how you fight. I can appreciate your calling, king. I just can't walk in it. And I'm telling you, Instagram is killing us with this stuff. And I'm not saying you got to get off all social media. You got to decide for yourself. I am going to tell you this. Last year, I got off of it for six months and my soul had never been healthier. Now, I'm on it right now because it's one of the best ways I can keep in contact with the whole church. But I'm just telling you, the six months I was completely off Instagram. Oh, I missed a couple birthdays, but my soul was healthy. Because Instagram has made it so possible now for us, no matter what industry you're in, is is you just get your phone and go like this, and you go, that's what it looks like. That's that's how being a mom's supposed to look. That's how being a dad's supposed to look. Oh, they're so happy. They're so engaged. They're so much better than me. That's what success looks like. That's what success looks like. That's what success looks like. I, I don't think I've ever gotten off Instagram and felt more secure about myself. But so last summer, it was killing me, and I was in a dark place, and every night I would get on, and for me, I'm a pastor, so I'm looking at other pastors, and I'm going, man, that, that guy does that, and I don't. Oh, and he does that? Well, I can't. Oh, he gets invited to speak at that? I guess I better start saying yes to all these, anyone who asks, because that's what a pastor does. If you're going to be successful, you got to be invited to a thing, and you got to be invited to a thing, and you got to be in the club, and I don't think I'm in the club yet, so I must not be successful, and it was just like it was killing my soul, this comparison. And with some counseling, I started to realize Actually, I spent seven weeks, as a bunch of you know, in anti-anxiety counseling last summer, and I can't tell you how many sessions were, were built around, Sean, you're bringing so much anxiety and depression into your own life by comparing your calling to people around you. It's like, you gotta stop. It's not just for like peace and joy, it's killing you. And it made me, it did make me wanna quit. I wanted to quit my whole job, I wanted to quit everything. I couldn't take it, it was, it was comparison. Because I just thought if, I, if I'm going to be significant, I got to be like the guys who've got a bazillion followers and they go to all the events and speak at all the things. And I don't do that. I just pastor our church. So I just must I haven't arrived yet. And God did a work in my soul in one of the craziest situations. And it was a day when I finally just made a choice to go, you know what, God, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to embrace how you created me. I'm going to embrace where you put me, and I'm just going to be faithful with what I think you're asking me to do today. A friend of mine was at my house, this was a couple years ago, installing a, uh, a garbage disposal, and then he wouldn't charge me. And I'm like, well, that's not cool. I'm not trying to take advantage of you. I'm going to pay you. And he goes, well, if you want to pay me, then do his wedding. And he points to a 
young man who works for him, who I had not met yet. And I'm like, okay. So I'm gonna do a wedding. And, and I, I don't know the bride or the groom. And so we put it on the calendar. It was gonna be a long ways off. Okay. So all of a sudden, I get an invitation that kind of made me feel like maybe I'm not insignificant. Maybe I am gonna be a legit successful pastor because I just got an invitation to go do something with like 10 other pastors and they all have a gazillion followers and they speak at every popular conference and they're like the famous guys. And I don't know why I'm invited. Maybe it's because somebody canceled, but I'm taking it. And I'm gonna get to go hang out with all the guys, truthfully, that I podcast and listen to and kind of look up to. And we were gonna go hang out in one pastor's living room for the evening and just talk and kind of be boys. And, and then, but here's the cool thing. We're gonna go to the University of Alabama and we were gonna sit in the locker room the next day and get a leadership talk by Nick Saban. Is that, he's the University of Alabama, is that right? One, 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 of, the, one of the most premier leaders and football coaches to do it, ever. And we're gonna go sit in the locker room and listen to Nick Saban give us a leadership talk. I'm like, I have arrived. I'm, I'm somebody. And all of a sudden, my administrative assistant calls me, and we'd already booked the hotel, we'd booked the plane tickets, everything. She calls me and she goes, oh, Sean, you're not gonna believe this. I don't know how we missed this. It was on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday that all this was supposed to happen. She goes, you're doing a wedding on Tuesday. I went, what? Who does weddings on Tuesday? Well, it was the wedding that I said I would do several months ago. And again, we don't even know each other. Like we've met, but we don't know each other. And then I find out there's only gonna be like five people at the entire wedding. It's the bride, the groom, the groom's parents, a sibling, and a photographer. That's it. And the wedding's outside on a mountain up in Evergreen, and it's going to be in a blizzard. I'm like, and the hits just keep on coming. I'm like, I can't, I can't. Like, I, I have pastors from literally around the country calling me going, you have got to get out of that wedding and come to this. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. They will understand. You can help them get a pastor at the church. You're not, it's not like your longtime friends. They'll understand. You can't miss out on this. This is a chance of a lifetime. And there's just, and I, and I called, I called the individual and I said, hey, I messed up and double booked myself. I'm a hundred percent doing your wedding. I just want to make sure we're gonna go through with it because I heard it's gonna blizzard. And if you're going to cancel it, I just want to know now because I messed up my schedule and I'm going to do something else. But if you're not, he goes, he goes you, you, you don't have to do our wedding. We, we understand. Um, but come rain, shine, snow, we're, we're, we're going to do it that day for sure. And I just had something in my heart that's like, you're supposed to do this wedding. And so I was like, no, you know, absolutely. I'll be there. I'll see you there. And so I drive up to the mountain, and I'm not kidding. I'm looking at Instagram, not safe, don't email me, whatever. I'm looking at Instagram while I'm driving up the mountain, and I'm seeing these guys posting pictures of their experiences in the locker room. They're throwing football passes out on the field. They're all together. They're all so cool. Good for you. <laughs> I'm going to Evergreen to do a wedding in a blizzard. And I got out of my car and I walked down this long dirt trail, which it's dirt unless there's rain and snow, and now it's mud. And so there went my dress shoes. 
And so now I'm walking through the mud and I get to the thing and we do the wedding. It's about a 15 minute ceremony and they're going to stay and do pictures and I'm going to go back to my car. And so I'm walking back to my car down this mud path and the groom's dad comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, I know the kids probably weren't able to, 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 to pay you for the wedding. Um, can I make it right? And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm like, no. Uh, I go, I, it's my honor to do this. Absolutely not. You're not paying me a penny. He goes, well, I just want you to know it's so, it's so special to have you doing the wedding, you know, because of her story. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know her story. And he said, oh, well, her father committed suicide. And, and then one day when she was 17 years old, she walked into her house and her younger brother had a manic episode. He had some mental health issues and he had a manic episode and he shot and killed their mom in the kitchen. And then he started chasing her and her sister around the house and they ran upstairs and he was shooting at the walls and shooting at doors and her sister jumped out of a window and got on the roof and jumped off to escape and broke her back and became paralyzed. And, and then she was hiding in her room and, and her brother was shooting at the lock trying to break through the door when the police officers arrived and so then he just committed suicide. And he said, so in, in one day, she was 17 years old and her dad's dead and her mom's dead and her sister's paralyzed and her brother's dead and she's 17 and she has nothing and nowhere to go and, and, and um, someone invited her to Red Rocks Church and she was a complete atheist. She would wake up every single night with night terrors and she would picture herself being chased and shot at and she was having a hard time just like living day to day and completely begin to hate God if he existed but kind of figured he didn't exist or this stuff wouldn't happen. But she came to Red Rocks Church and, and God moved on her soul and she gave her life to God and she went public with her faith through baptism at Red Rocks Church and she got this dream in her heart that maybe one day Pastor Sean would do my wedding. And, and the wedding was on a Tuesday because today's her mom's birthday. Guys, it wrecked me. It wrecked me. And I just start bawling. And I drove the whole way back down the mountain. Just like, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry I let this comparison game gets so out of control that I almost missed out on one of the most purposeful moments I think I've ever experienced to go hang out with some famous people because I thought I wanted to be like them. And here's what's crazy. Not one of the famous pastors that I wanted to be with could have done that wedding and it would have meant anything to that couple. Only I could be me in that moment. God has created you on purpose, exactly the way you are. And only you can be you, and nobody else can. There's people that nobody else can reach but you. There's things that God wants to do to advance his kingdom that nobody else can do but you. We're gonna have to push through some criticism to get there, that's for sure. And we're gonna have to start throwing off this comparison. We gotta stop letting the idea of how do you do it, 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 because here's what Satan will do. If he can't get you to walk away from your calling, he'll try to just steal all the joy from it. But we can choose to focus on what our creator says, not on what our critics say, even when we're one of the critics. We can push through criticism. We can stop comparing ourselves to everybody else, and then we can begin to embrace, this is how God made me. This is where God has me. And so today, 
What do you want me to do? I'll just say yes to that. And pretty soon, you're gonna blink and realize you're running your race. You're walking in God's plans and you're in the middle of your calling. And that's the sweet spot. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you're speaking to every single one of us about our lives even right now in this moment. This is stuff that, that, that tries to, to trip up every single one of us. And so, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would set some of us free from criticism, that you would set some of us free from some things that have been done or said about us or to us in the past. I pray, God, that you would begin to set some of us free from that critical voice that comes from ourselves on the inside, that we would begin to cover ourselves with the word of God and that we would begin to preach to ourselves the truth of the word of God and our soul and our emotions and everything about us would start to accept it. I am who he says I am, not who I think I am in my mind, not who they said they not who they said I am. I am who he says I am. And he chose me and he called me and he created me perfectly. And I can be me in this moment and I can actually walk in my calling in Jesus name. If you don't have a relationship with God right now is your time. No matter if you're in a building or if you're watching this from some platform online, wherever you're at. If you don't have a relationship with God, right now's your time because this is how it's, this is where it begins. You want to know the plans he has for you? It begins with saying, I want to commit my life to you, God. I put my faith in your son, Jesus. Now would your spirit begin to live inside of me and begin to guide me into the plans you have for me? It starts with, I choose you, Jesus. If you have never done that and you know right now, this is my moment. I want to put my faith in Jesus and I want to submit my life to him. I just know it. This is my time. God, forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. If that's you right now, raise your hand wherever you're at. If you're in a building, raise your hand. If you're on a platform where it's available, click that raise your hand button on that platform. Second question is this. What we've talked today about today has resonated with you and you know whether it's criticism or comparison I got to get some things out of my life the truth is though is if you could do it on your own you already would have and so today you're saying God I need to get some criticism out of my life I need to get some comparison out of my life and I need your strength and your power and your grace to do it if that's you right now raise your hand and I'm just gonna say a prayer for you and we're going to agree together for some freedom. God, I thank you so much that you've brought us together through technology all around the world in this moment to speak to our hearts about exactly where we're at and exactly where you want to take us. We pray against criticism right now in the name of Jesus. We pray against comparison right now in the name of Jesus. We invite freedom into our lives right now in the name of Jesus. We start to claim your victory. We start to claim your truth. God, remind us minute by minute, if necessary, that you created us perfectly for what you've called us to do. And we can walk in that with some confidence in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Church at every location, let's stand up and let's worship.